if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 147. This is our 2021 HSBC Abu Dhabi Championship plus the American Express episode. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's European and PGA Tour action. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you? We're all right. We're plodding along. Good. Trying to make any kind of sense out of this week's Bob Hope lottery. Yeah. You could look at that for seven days and never be any further forward. So you've got a dartboard up on your wall and just uh, throw in some random darts at names. Well, you've got about 450 (laughs) triple digit shouts for later on in the episode, so uh, I'll save them for you. I can add a few to yours, I expect. Um, This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, plural, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Those of you wondering where Barry is, he's absolutely stacked out with work and can't make it. Apologies from the other side of the Irish Sea from Barry on that one. But we'll try and get him on as quickly as we can. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. There were over 20, Paul, 20 people wanting to join the group this morning. You can tell when the golf betting season kicks in, and it's always the third week of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's quiet. Kapalua, quiet is like. Sony, just about as quiet. And then European Tour switches on. All of a sudden, you've got two tournaments, European Tour and PJ Tour, and masses of people are interested in golf again. Yeah, two fulfilled events and uh, two two decent events to get your teeth into as well. So uh, it's mm. uh, as you say, it's the it's the real start of the season in that respect, isn't it? Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show, and that's what I love about the podcast, Paul. Our download numbers continue to grow. We get more and more followers. We get more and more listeners. Thank you to each and every one of you. Thanks to uh, those of you who have been listening for a while and thanks to those of you who are new to the show. But we asked for some um, five-star reviews last week and we got four, in fact. I'm going to read two. I'll I'll save two for next week. And please don't hesitate to add more five-star reviews on Apple um, Podcasts. It really, it just helps to get more presence on Apple. And um, the majority of people still listen, listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Right, let's read out a couple for you. 
This one is entitled Leading the Way Five Stars. Been a listener to Stephen Paul for some time now. Back into it again for this year, which I'm excited about. To me, this is the most complete informational podcast, whether it's to follow their tips, confirm the, the reasons why you should go with your own, or who to avoid. Both Paul and Steve share the light and back it up with cold, hard facts. Steve could sell ice to the Eskimos when he makes a pick. I sometimes pull my face, but he backs it up after, and after two minutes, I'm sold. Paul then pops up with some gems too. All round a great listen. Keep it up, guys. And that is from Ian in Derbyshire. So, Ian, that's a that's a really good review. Thank you for that. Yeah, thanks, Ian. I think he's being polite there. Was he essentially saying if you want to just completely swerve the players that we put up, then that's one way you could tackle the podcast picks each week. I think he's hit the MO of the podcast, really. We're informational. We're there to try and educate golf punters, aren't we? Whether that's the green grasses they're putting on or to avoid our picks. It's just, it's all about, it's just a chat down the pub talking about golf tips, isn't it? And the fact that we've done this now for over 10 years, we do have quite a lot of information stored away on spreadsheets, post-it notes and in the back of our minds. And it's trying to impart that to the listeners, isn't it? Rather than just yeah, constantly yeah. talking about strokes gained. Yeah, no, I agree. Second one, excellent five stars. Steve and Paul are both extremely knowledgeable and have created a great podcast and other resources for golf betters. I'm u- I've used them a lot for DFS as well and have had much success. success. Thank you. And that is from Mark... And he is in Grand Rapids in Michigan. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Mark. And thank you, Ian, for your reviews. Very much appreciated as ever. Let's talk about last week, shall we? Hmm. You hit a 125 to 1 first round leader shout in Peter Malnati. Yeah, now, yeah. I know, I nice. know that it was split three ways, but that doesn't really matter, does it? It's that's first round leader punting, isn't it? Yeah, well, twenty five to one, Peter Malnati. That's well done. Kind of the way. Thank you. It's kind of the way you expect things to go with first round leader betting. So, mm. in essentially, if you tot it up with the each way element, we've got nearly fifty percent back of the entire um, potential win. So, mm. as you say, the win element was chopped by three. Um, and clearly a full each way element with it as well. But yeah, very nice. He went out and shot a very early round of 62. Um, I did think, I mean, in my mind, I'd looked at the stats that you produce each week on your preview in terms of the trends for first round leader uh, you know, positions and uh, whether they come from the morning and the afternoon wave. And it looked to me, I mean, historically, it looked pretty even between the two. Um, yep. Weather-wise, it looked pretty even between the two. Reality was the afternoon played nearly a stroke easier than yep. the morning. They so, didn't have nearly as much wind. It was it was gusting eighteen miles per hour on the in the morning for the morning absolutely, start. Absolutely, yeah. So he so, was on the disadvantaged side of the draw, undoubtedly. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, um, Neiman eagled the last to, to tie, which was a shame. Um, Jason Cockrack, um, to be fair, Cockrack had chances to have gone deeper than than sixty two, so he could have snatched it away from us. But um, yeah, you know, it's nice to get yourself into a decent profitable position after after Thursday. So uh, yeah, very pleased with that. So with the mathematics, it worked out at about 60-something to 1, you're saying? 
With the yeah, Europe in that kind of bracket. Yeah, I think nearest damn it sixty to one. You'd say um, would be the kind of number if you if you were blending the each way and the uh, and the win element together. It's kind of kind of how I've rationalised it in my mind. When you when you pull together your first because you're you're a regular first round leader punter. Mm. Clearly, we have our dedicated first round leader statistics that come out on a Wednesday once the draws are known for the tournaments, both European Tour and PGA Tour. Do you look for a nice balance between what they've done on the course previously in the first round and their current first round leader form, or what, yeah. how does your rationale work? There's, there's a combination, really. I, for me, first round leader punting is about trying to find uh, the longer price players who can produce that that kind of um, flash of 18-hole excellence, yeah. um, but aren't necessarily going to go on and win the golf tournament. A um, Ryan Palmer, a Charlie Hoffman. We can list out first-round leader um, players that have done that over time and memorial, yeah, can't we? Yeah, and yeah. and uh, clearly, Mal Natty fits that. We did say, didn't we, in the podcast last week, that he led after round one at the Bermuda Championship at the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, the thing that what, what I liked about Mal Natty essentially was that he had um, continually been putting in these one round efforts over his last four or five starts where he was shooting 62, 63, 60, but not necessarily in the first round, um, but he had been shooting um, a low round pretty much every single week in some shape or, you know, some form or another. So um, the gamble is that he does it in the first round, which he did, which was nice. Um, yeah, the other way to look at it, and the reason I I hammer on about putting someone like Matt Every up is that um, these players historically can go and just produce that mad one round um, from absolutely nowhere. So, um, so yeah, I, I do enjoy first round leader punting. I must say, um, the, the the holy grail, of course, is being able to get a double up um, across both tours. So uh, now we've got both events on this week and um, both sides of the Atlantic that's when we can start doing a uh, little each way doubles on our first round leader punts as well so yeah looking forward to that and as, as you said Wednesday um, once we've digested the draw um, get the stats updated and on a Wednesday morning over here in the UK I tend to put the stats up and a just a little pointer as to what I'm doing in terms of my thoughts on twitter and on facebook as well so so do keep an eye out for that if you're interested in first round leader betting there won't be any first round leader markets at the pga west amex this week because it's played over two courses but there will be a market up for, of course for abu Dhabi. yeah We're- interesting they, they may and we sometimes see this with the two course rotor um, events they may put up um split okay. markets so um that yeah that does lend itself to potentially having trebles if that's the case but uh, we'll see mm, okay last week you hit mail natty all four of my tips did very little they all made the cut they didn't disgrace me i've had i've had uh, i've had weeks where i've all four or five of my selections have missed the cut so they all made the cut they just never made a run they just didn't at a tournament that is so low scoring, you have to get off to a good start. Yeah. And shooting level par round one, just and you're in 97th place, just you, you can't make that up. And that was the case uh, with Kisner, Todd, Zach Johnson never fired. Uh, Brian Gay started okay. Bogued the last, till should have gone to five under, bogeyed the last on Thursday. And uh, that, was, that was him pretty much done and dusted. It, but it riles me though missing out on Kevin Nah. 
I said to you, I said to the listeners last week, we need a putter who is hitting greens at the moment. Yeah. That was my complete and utter rationale. Yeah. 80 to 1 winner, Kevin Nahr. That's his fifth PGA Tour victory. I think that puts him level with the likes of someone like a Ricky Fowler, just to wind Barry up when he listens to this. Um, it's interesting with Nahr as well. And we were kind of talking about this off mic early this morning. Nah, 45 to 1, 70 to 1, 70 to 1, and now 80 to 1 his four wins across the last four seasons. Nah, all on short golf courses. This was the first one he's ever won on Bermuda grass on the PGA Tour. All four of the previous had been on pure bent grass. And we were talking about this earlier. It's almost getting to the point, you know, you, you, you get... Um, Patrick Reed withdrawing last week. He had shin splints, didn't he? he? He could barely walk, and now he's playing this week at the Amex a week later. And you said shin splints. When you had shin splints, it took you about three <laughs> months to get over them. Yeah, not three When you nights. used to do a lot of marathon running and distance running. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. he's got over his shin splints, and he's playing this week. In, yeah, uh, I think it was more. Jordan. It must have been more blisters than shin splints, by the yeah, way. It must have been. And then, of course, this week. Everyone is absolutely kiboshed when John Rahm, the favourite, withdraws yeah. um, late on. And, I, I, and Adam Scott came out with some great um, um, quotes in an interview last week at the Sony Open. He said he, he focuses, what did he say, eight, ten real tournaments a year? Yep. Majors, WGCs, effectively, the big ones. And I think you're seeing more of that. You're getting a lot of the top elite guys... They focus on majors, WGCs, big tournaments that motivate them, like a memorial or a Bay Hill, yeah. something with a bit of gravitas. Or like next week, yeah. the Farmers Insurance, Tiger Woods will be playing. Yeah, and, and some some of them have a, a local open, don't they? Which um, which yeah. means something to them personally. But uh, it, yeah, it boils down to maybe ten or twelve tournaments, doesn't it? Where they where they're really focused and really you know giving it absolutely everything. Um, and the other other tournaments. You know, potentially, are they just a, a run out? Are they, you know, are they just a um, a warm up for for the big events that really matter to these individual players? I think this has always happened, apart from Tiger Woods. <laughs> but then, you know, Tiger just attended, attended the tournaments he wanted to attend and won them all. Um, but it's becoming a little bit more obvious now that a lot of these players aren't even just going through the routine of playing; they're actually withdrawing before the event starts. I mean, that's two in two weeks. I know it's a short sample size, but it happens now. But players like a Kevin Nahr, who is limited, admits he's limited, admits he can't win around Torrey Pines South. He can't win around a 7,700-yard golf course. And I think that was kind of what put a lot of people off cap off him last week because he was so awful at Kapalua, yeah. which is a 7,600-yard par 73. Bang him on a short par 70 where putting is absolutely critical. And lo and behold, you've got players like Kevin Nahr that are hoovering up some big, big tournament wins on courses that suit them. Yeah. And landing lots of prize money and a lot of official world golf ranking points. And they sit in the top 30 in the world now, Kevin Nahr. Yep. And he can win, can't he? And he's proven that. Yep. He's proven that uh, you know, a lot and increasingly over the last few years. Always yeah. used to be quoted as a choker, and then he has learned a bit like Jimmy Walker. And I've said this all along as well. It takes certain players different time, you know, gestation periods to get the mental side of the game, the yeah. contending side of the game. Nas cracked it, hasn't he? He knows how to win now. 
Yeah, it does. You know, there was a period of time when he was, you know, it was kind of the butt of the jokes, wasn't he, in terms of his um, speed on the course, and he's addressed that. Um, you know, he does his best to 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 have improved that over the last few years, and um, on the backside of that, he's turned around and uh, and and kept on winning these golf tournaments and they're juicy prices as well as you said he's not winning at 16 to 1 or 12 to 1 he's winning at 40s and 50s and 70s and 80s which um, and you and you know why because he doesn't pop in strokes game models because he's got such a low floor and such a high ceiling statistically doesn't work so you're getting him at great great prices a bit like patrick reed and again that's the same this week a horrible short price on reed i won't go anywhere near him but over time, if that price starts to get towards 33, 40 to 1, 50 to 1, that's when Reed will pop up. Yep. Now, Kevin Nahr last week, ninth in my eight-week rolling greens and regulation model. Yeah, ninth. Um, fifth for strokes game putting across the whole of last season. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anyone that knows their golf knows that Nahr is a fantastic putter. And... He was also in the top 25 for our, my eight-week rolling strokes gained putting metric. Top nine for greens in regulation, completely ignored him. And even worse, as I said with that Sony Open, you want someone that's got a top, a win, a top two, a top three in the immediate build-up, yeah? He finished yep. second at that QBE shootout, the one that Harris English won and won at Kapalua. Well, Nah finished second and then won... Two outings later at the Sony Open. Yeah, it was literally that effort, and I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had a cursory look at him um, before yeah. last week, but you know, I looked at Kapalua and um, what did he shoot in the final round? Seventy nine or something like that. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of well, you, you just can't look. It's difficult, isn't it? You try and find these micro points that might, you know, just push you in the direction of a certain player. And, but when you're looking for that kind of information, you see. Oh, yeah, his strokes gained, I think he was something like, he was 41st out of 42 for strokes gained approach at Kapalua. Yeah. Second worst in the field. But that's a 7,600-yard par 73. Goes to a golf course where, um, and again, the strokes gains metrics. His greens and regulations were okay at Kapalua. Goes <coughs> to a golf course that suits. Lo and behold, 80 to 1, bang. Yeah. Anyway, it's another <laughs> another one you put down to experience on now. Yeah. For me, anyway. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Just before we go in, it's a pack show. I need to let's move on quickly. Um, I want to highlight quickly the Bet Three Six Five competition that we've got running, sponsored by Bet Three Six Five, the twenty twenty one majors competition, sponsored by Three Six Five for the ninth consecutive year I had someone on Twitter the other day moaning that the prizes weren't big enough <laughs> it's like great yeah, but it's free to enter yeah yeah they've yeah, done it for them. nine years you know it's over you know it's well over a two grand in prizes they've given away to GPS list, uh, listeners and readers over the years but it's not enough money apparently um, £250 cash prize fund cash um, 2020 all you've got to do um, it's £150 to the winner, 75 to the runner-up, and 25 for the third-place finisher. It's a one-and-done. Before the start of the Masters in April, or hopefully April, um, we want to know 
who your four winners of the four majors are. It's as simple as that. One and done styling. Yep. So we can't that. we can't have Dustin Johnson, Dustin Johnson, Dustin Johnson, and Rory McIlroy. You have to have four different player names across the four majors. Yeah. And last entry needs to be before first tee off at the Masters in April. There is loads of information as to how you can enter across our Facebook group, Twitter, email. Um, I, I of course will put a link in the podcast description. Thank you to Bet Three Six Five for their continued support of our 2021 Majors competition. Right, I think of the two tournaments, even though the Amex has got the strongest field ever, although that might have changed since John Rahm withdrew. Let's crack on. European Tour action for the first time in about a month, and it's a good field. Take us through the Abu Dhabi uh, championship poll for us. Yeah, it is a cracking field, isn't it? Um, First of four... Scheduled Rolex series events for the season. That was four at the moment. Um, I, I, I suspect this European Tour schedule is fairly fluid, and I expect we'll see some some additional events added on as we go through the course of the year. But uh, at the moment, we've got Abu Dhabi this week, Scottish Open, Wentworth towards the back end of the year, and of course the Earth Course as these big four Rolex series events, which are important in the context of the season because the prize funds are huge, eight million dollars this week. Uh, 8,000 race, race to Dubai points as well for this week as well. So for those players who've got aspirations of winning the race to Dubai or those players who've got aspirations of making the Ryder Cup this year and um, performing well in these big events is absolutely paramount. So um, no surprise that we've got a decent field here. No surprise that we've got a strong event to try and um, unravel this week. First of three events that we've got in the Middle East over the next three weeks. Um, we've got Dubai next week and then Saudi the week after that. Actually, we talked about the field in Saudi over the last few weeks. I checked it again yesterday and we've got the likes of Dustin Johnson, Bryson, Patrick Reed, Hovland's playing, Tony Finnell. They've been added to the field. So that looks like an absolute cracker in a fortnight's time as well. So uh, no doubt a few... Um, Dollars have been thrown at some of the um, Americans to encourage them to come over and play in Saudi Arabia in a fortnight's time. Um, but yeah, that looks like a cracking field. We've got um, Colin Morikawa's playing next week in Dubai as well. Paul Casey's coming over and then largely a similar field to that which we've got here this week. But let's talk about the here and now first. And um, as you said, Steve, it is a decent field, headlined by Rory McIlroy. Six to one favourite at present. This is ten o'clock GMT on Tuesday morning. Justin Thomas thirteen to two, and then you've got the likes of Till Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, two-time winner here, Tommy Fleetwood, all fourteen to one, and then a big jump down to the likes of Victor Perez thirty to one, Justin Rose thirty-three to one. He's been nibbled in now a bit, Rose. Christian Bazwain, who um, there's a little bit of thirty-three. He's generally twenty-eight to one. With Bazwain hooped. Shane Lowry, 33s. And then you're into the likes of Kymer, Westwood, McIntyre, Matt Wallace, Bernd Wiesberger, around 33, 35 to 1, Mark, 40 to 1, bar those players. So a decent field at the top end, those 10, 12 players that I've just read through 
there. And of course, the first event of the season, a lot of the bookies have taken this as an opportunity to um, really attack Boyle Sports, who we've mentioned a few times. And I think they yeah. did they top your each way tracker last week, last year. 2020 additional each way place tracker for the first time in four years, Paddy Powell were beaten. And they were beaten by Boyle Sports. And it's interesting you mentioned that. You, Yeah, Boyle Sports have gone 10 places each way at the Abu Dhabi this week. I mean, that's a big, big statement. Um, so far this year, across um, the two P, oh, three PGA Tour events and that European or this European Tour event, they have placed, uh, added 13 additional each way places. About, uh, Betfair and Paddy Power sister sites, both on 11. So already they're leading the way in 2021, Boyle. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it's aggressive. It's, it's nice to see a lot of competition in this area. And uh, if you oh can... yeah, Paul, but their prices aren't very good. <laughs> well, yes, they're they're not going to give you the best price in the market and ten additional places. Although on, on Justin Rose at the moment, they're actually giving the same price as Paddy Power, and they're giving you two additional each way places. So you know it works on certain players. Yeah, well, this is the point, I guess, isn't it? If you've got players in mind, then um, just double-checking their hmm. price against ball sports before you place your bet has got to be a sensible option if you've got access to boils and the jurisdiction that you're in. So, uh, so yeah, hats off to them, and uh, nice to see a lot of competition in this area, um, adding a little bit of value for us golf punters who like to, who like to bet each way. Uh, anyway, back to the course, Abu Dhabi Golf Club. It's 16th consecutive year that we've been playing here at this Peter Haradine track. 7,583 yard past 72. So it's a desert track. It's exposed, typical desert, styly. Uh, it tightened up a bit in 2012, but um, it still needs a stiff breeze, I think, to make it tough. Otherwise, 20 under, thereabouts, 18, 20 under. Is, it's a fair target for victory, um, given normal conditions. In that respect, um, in terms of the weather, it does look like a fairly mixed week, actually. Thursday, Friday this week is going to be particularly breezy. Maybe 20, maybe gusting 25 miles an hour during the course of the day. And then you've got a calmer, more scorable weekend. So you may well find that scoring is um, relatively tame over the first couple of days and then and really takes off as the uh, tournament gets into into its stride over the weekend. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, it does add another dynamic to it when there's a little bit of a mix here um, to, uh, to, to how the conditions are going to be. Maybe mid-teens this year, maybe 16, 18 to 1. It may just shaver. A shot or two off the winning title, I guess. Uh, historically, uh, looking back, let's go back to 2010. Martin Keimer won here at 14 to 1 in 2010. He was virtually unbeatable on this track back in that point period of time. 2011, he defended again. That was the third time he had won 8 to 1. 2012 was Robert Rock at 150 to 1. Jamie Donaldson at 66 to 1 the year after. 2014 was Pablo Rathabel, 125 to 1. 2015, Gary Stow at 150 to 1, the year that he um, beat Keimer after Keimer relinquished that uh, 10 shot lead. 2016 was Ricky Fowl at 16 to 1. Then two wins from Tommy Fleetwood, firstly at 60 to 1 in 2017, then he defended the year later at 20 to 1. Uh, Shane Lowry, 60 to 1 last, but year, last year, but one. And then last year, um, Lee Westwood was a massive 90 to 1. 
yeah. to win this. Um, despite wow. having come in with, and he did have a little bit of form as well in terms of the back end of the previous year. So he wasn't unpickable. And I think thinking back, yeah, I think I'm, I'm seeing 10-6 and his last outing was 38. Yeah. So he had two top 10s in his last three and he was 90-1. to one. Now I've got this recollection that I put him up at Dubai um, the um, week that he shot, he finished thirty eighth. So by the time that he came back to Abu Dhabi, I just uh, kind of scrubbed him off the list. Yeah, of course. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he thoroughly upset me by um, completely bonging out at, uh, at the Earth Course, and then of course he goes and wins, which is exactly the way this game comes and bites you on the backside every mm. every week. Um, Going back through those names and going back through the stats, generally it's the strong tee to green performances that get the job done. Even Ricky Fowler, if you look at how he played that week that he won, he was fourth for driving accuracy, ninth for greens and regulations. So that particular week, he was very strong from tee to green. Fleetwood, Tommy Fleetwood is probably the archetypal um, model, I think, for how you get um, how you get the job done around this Abu Dhabi track. And those two wins, he hit 65 of 72 and 64 of 72 greens in regulation. So he was absolutely pounding out greens during those uh, those two wins. And I think if you can get somewhere mid to high 80s in terms of your greens in regulation, and putt averagely, you don't have to putt the absolute lights out, but putt well enough, then you can get yourself right into the mix here. Um, with that, bogey avoidance is key. I mean, looking at Westwood last year, he only made four bogeys during the course of the four days. And that's fairly typical of the winners here, four, five, six bogeys, um, and, uh, and kind of balance that with 23, 25 birdies, something like that, and gets you gets you into the, into the kind of number, into the kind of echelons that you need to be uh, finding to be uh, in the contention. Um, about course you, experience, does that play any part? Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, I guess. And there's a, there's a good mix here. If you look back, Kymer won three times. Casey had won um, twice. Tommy Fleetwood's won twice. But you look at Gary Stowell, he'd come here. He won after missing the cut on his only other chance. Um, Ricky Fowler had finished 66th, um, again, on his only other um, time that he'd played. And he, he won. Robert Rock came in with form of 59-47, missed cut, missed cut. And then he won. So... Um, there's a bit of a mix. Even Fleetwood, you go back to Fleetwood before he won his first title here, he'd missed the cut on four or five starts. So perhaps it's one that you need a bit of in, um, experience on. Again, if you look back, uh, Chris DeMarco won the first one here in 2006. He was the only debutant. Of course, he, everyone was a debutant back then. Um, but he was the only debutant to have won this golf tournament. Um, since that point, every single player has had some experience of the Abu Dhabi Golf Club. Even if they've missed a cut, they've okay. had some experience of the uh, the course. Yep. So when you look at the market this week, Justin Thomas is coming here and making his debut, second favourite to win the golf tournament. Mm. So, um, you know, as we've always said, and, you know, and you've always got to bear in mind, trends are there to be broken, but um, it does seem that you need to have some practical experience of... Um, of how this course plays. A top 10 finish in one of your previous four starts, that is a strong trend. In fact, mm. you can trace that back all the way back to Chris DeMarco's win here. And every player had finished in the top 10 in one of their previous four starts. And even yeah. Westwood, you mentioned Westwood a second ago, 10th mm. in Turkey, 
uh, sixth at Nedbank. So and yeah. that was two of his previous three starts. Absolutely fit the trend. And you know, if you if you're trying to whittle down the field, mm. then you can soon soon come it's to in, a shorter list, can't you? Yeah, that's good because I mean, you got you got talented young players, didn't you? Like Cantor and Falimaki. You know, Cantor was fifth last time out on the Earth Course. So was Falimaki. Yeah. But they haven't played this tournament before. But at fifty-five to one for Fally Mackey and eighty to one for Cantor, if you just if you fancy a nice each way punt on both of them, what you're saying is they're not going to win, but they can they can each way place. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're looking looking at the winner in terms of the, the, the stats, mm, but of course, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, there's some of these players are you know they're progressing through, and they they will quickly come to come to mm. know how to play the course. But whether that actually translates to a win, particularly with some of the Names yep. that are here this week, um, that's a bit more of a, a tougher ask. But mm-hmm. with the uh, with the number of each way places you're getting, even from the regular, you know, a lot of players, a lot of bookies are going seven or eight places. So um, even even if you're outside of the uh, ball sports ten each way, then you, you're still giving yourself a lot of chances in a 132 man field to uh, to get a return from those each way chances. So so yeah, different ways to play it. Um, I, the other point to note, and uh, I put a list of these players in my preview. Um, aside from Martin Keimer, it has been a bit of a graveyard for single-figure chances over the last few years. There's a lot of players that have come over and played Abu Dhabi, a lot of fancy players, a lot of um, elite players who've come from over um, the other side of the Atlantic and have failed to win here at the kind of five, six, seven, eight to one type price point. So. Um, again, not to say that it doesn't or can't happen, but um, worth bearing in mind if you do fancy um, Justin Thomas or, or indeed Rory McIlroy here this week. He's finished runner-up here four times um, over the years. Yeah, so, that's, a, you know, that's a good list you pulled together there. Tiger Woods is in it. Clearly Rory McIlroy each and every year. Um, Jordan Spieth at 9-2. to two. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, Dustin yeah. Johnson at sixes. You got Brooks Kepka in there at tens and nines. A lot of very, very, very good players that have come over at short prices and not won. Yep, absolutely. Mm. And it does, you know, you've got a couple of factors with um, Justin Thomas. You've got that factor. You've got the factors of debutant as well. And um, there's clearly, clearly, still some re- repercussions from uh, what happened at the Century Tournament of Champions yep. as well with uh, with JT and. You know, for me, there's enough there to strike a strike a line through him. With Rory, a bit tougher because he clearly could win this, and clearly, if you if you're looking for a player who can perform fantastically from tee to green, then um, at his best, Rory's going to go very close to winning this golf tournament every single time, and that that's that's been borne out by the fact that he has finished runner up mm. here on four occasions. I look through Rory's recent record, and what really grabbed me is that he's failed to hit. 70% greens in regulation at all in his last 12 starts worldwide. And that's not Rory. You know, if, no, if, no, no. If, if, if I'm saying to you, you need to hit 85% of greens in regulation really to stand a chance of winning this golf tournament, then if you're hitting 65 68%, that's not mm. going to get the job done, I don't no. think. It is iron play that's been mediocre since we returned from COVID. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, I know those top two. I've I've swerved in completely, and um, I've ultimately I've gone with four players this week. The first of whom is Tommy Fleetwood. Um, as mentioned earlier, we've seen Martin Keimer win three times here. We've seen Paul Casey win twice. We've seen Tommy Fleetwood already win twice. It seems to be that kind of track that continually 
appeals to and favours those players who've got on well with it in the past. Um, and winners have, you know, multiple winners have, have been abound, from, you know, seeing as this has only been going from 2006. If it's not one of these players is won well in the past, and as we've said a second ago, it can equally be um, someone who's coming from way off the uh, way off the page. But of the players at the top end, um, and if it's top class ball striking that we're looking for, then Tommy does fit this track absolutely like a glove. Um, looking back at last year's stats, the top five finishers all finished within the top nine in Green's regulation, and you know I've, I, I can't emphasise it enough. When he's on the top of his game, he's hitting Green's for fun. The point with Tommy is actually the last few months he has been a little bit inconsistent. He's been a little bit up and down. But even so, he could, and you know, perhaps should have won in Portugal. He could have won in Scotland. Again, he perhaps he should have won in Scotland as well. Had the putts dropped that particular week or either of those weeks, then he'd have won two golf tournaments since lockdown. Instead, he hasn't. Um, obviously, a bit frustrating for him, but um, you know, the form isn't that bad overall 19th for the Masters isn't a bad result he was fourth for strokes game putting at the earth course in his last start at the back end of the year and mm. in interview it was interesting to listen to him and talking about how his game was coming along how it was shaping up and um, I think he's ready to hit the ground running coming into this year he's the top of the European tour um, or the European points list for the Ryder Cup he only needs probably this golf tournament to win and he'll be absolutely cemented in for the Ryder Cup his 30th birthday is today, and we've talked about milestones in the past and how they can uh, inspire players. It's uh, actually today, Tuesday, that is his, uh, his birthday, so many happy returns to uh, Tommy Fleetwood, should he happen to be listening to the, to the podcast this week. Um, and I think that he's got a great chance here of uh, converting a hat-trick, um, a personal hat-trick of Abby Dabby titles and a personal hat-trick of Rolex Series wins at the same time as well so so yeah Fleetwood uh, 14 to 1 I think that's a fair price um, and uh, outside of the top two he is my pick slightly longer I've gone for Martin Keimer um, and again another previous winner here 35 to 1 I picked up yesterday uh, Keimer the decision for me is whether he is going to win again and if he is going to win again where it's going to be and yeah, it's been a long time between drinks for Kymer hasn't it you've got to go back all the way to the US Open in 2014 for his last win and mm. um, he was back up to 11th in the world at the time and everything was looking pretty rosy for him he'd been he'd been tinkering around with his swing and he'd been trying to to get himself into a position where he could win at Augusta and um, it all started to dismantle a little bit after that and then of course he came here the year after blew that 10-shot lead to Gary Stow and um, we've not seen him um, win a golf tournament since. Um, signs are, though, that there's, I think he's still good enough to get himself into a contention, still get, get himself into a position where he can win. Um, third at the Belfry, second at Valderrama. Both of those post-lockdown were massive opportunities for him to get back over the line. And I think he's just got to, it's just got to happen one week it just needs one of them to, uh, to, you know, to kind of stumble over the line, and I think he'll be back up and running. And um, tenth at Wentworth after that, fifth in Italy, fourteenth at the Earth Course. Fourteenth at the Earth Course was interesting because that's a track that he's um, always struggled to get his head around. He's always—I I remember years back where I was 
um, trying to put Kaima up for um, the Earth course. And you'd read his interviews, and it was just one of those tracks that he just absolutely could not get on with. So mm. 14 for the Earth course is actually a pretty positive performance, in my view. Mm. Um, and I think it's not a case of if he wins again, but it's when. And I think if if you kind of get into that mindset, then um, ask yourself the question, well, where is he most likely to win? Then this is absolutely the track that he's most likely to win on. Um, should he get himself another European Tour win, which I'm sure he will. Um, three wins here, as I said. Um, in that stretch, 2008 to 2011, he won three times. He was runner-up in the year in between there. He's got four top eight finishes here since um, that point in time. One of them was that uh, ill-fated effort in 2015. Um, I think it's time for him to exercise his demons. And I think if he's going to do that, it's going to be here on this particular track. So happy to take a chance each way on Martin Keimer this week at 35. Also gone with Andy Sullivan. Um, he 40 to 1 I picked him up at I backed him last year at 100 to 1 and I think that uh, shouts um, exactly how far he's come along in those um, 12 months that he's available here at best price of 40 to 1 uh, led into the weekend here in 2016 contention again a couple of years later sixth at the halfway point and from his 8 efforts here over the years he's made 8 cuts he clearly gets on well with the track at wider desert form he's made 6 or 7 cuts in Qatar Three top 10 finishes in Dubai at the Desert Classic and also at the Earth Course where he finished runner-up in one of those efforts as well. Second at the Fire Course over at Tumura um, Golf Estates just before Christmas as well. And that could have been, perhaps should have been another win um, in, in the region as well. So um, got some good, um, tangible uh, desert form over the years. He's won in January before. He won the South African Open a few years back, 2015 I think it was. Um, where he won one at the start of January. He was fourth for bogey avoidance last year for the full season, which again is another strong uh, stat for this particular event. And the point with Andy, actually, all of it boils down to the fact that he's currently um, been pounding greens. He's been currently been hitting a lot of greens in regulation, which is the reason for me to take a chance and perhaps a player that I wouldn't ordinarily um, kind of put in the same bracket as someone like uh, Tommy Fleetwood. 58th in the world currently, Masters invite, invite is up for grabs if he can get into the top 50 by the end of March. Um, I think, you know, you boil all that down, the thing that I really like about Andy is the way that he's been talking about his game. And there's some really enlightening interviews at the, um, at the fire course where he talked about how he's improved his mental approach and he's got some... Um, got a team behind him now who are trying to help him out he's enjoying his golf far far more and he talked about how he'd been um you know idiotic in the past in his own words on the golf course and how his attitude was particularly bad and um, he's, he sorted it out you know and that's evident to see from his results fourth at the british masters third at wentworth second at the fire course as i said that seven, that massive seven-shot win at Hanbury Manor as well. All of these post-lockdowns, so that kind of goes some way as to explaining how he's and why he's been locked from 100 to one down to 40 to one to win this week. So, so yeah, I'm quite happy to work um, to to back Andy this week and uh, see if he can continue that progress that he's been making, um, working with uh, working with his putting coach over the festive break as well, which uh, seems to be. Uh, very positive from his own estimation. Uh, finally, I've gone with Jamie Donaldson at 110 to 1. 
Um, another one of these players who've improved quite dramatically since uh, since lockdown. Ninth at Fairmont St Andrews, third at the Cyprus Open, uh, made the final day the following week at the Cyprus oh, Cyprus show, Showdown, as it was the following week. Second behind Christian Bezwaden at the South African Open. So massive improvements because prior to that, we'd seen him drift a long, long way down the uh, world rank, rankings mainly driven from a strong performance in his tee to green game. And, um, you know, all of that uh, boiled down to 7th for bogey avoidance last year, 18th for par 3 um, scoring, which, again, is a good uh, indicator of how players are striking their irons as well. So um, um, lots of improvements and uh, really strong stats, um, driving accuracy stats towards the back end of the year. And, again, um, we saw, I think he was third for driving accuracy at the... Uh, at the earth course at the back end of the year as well. So um, so that was positive. One here in 2013 in similar conditions. That year, it was almost uh, identical of what we're going to see this year. So the first couple of days were breezy and then it, um, it eased up a bit over the weekend. So um, that was the year he won here at 14 under. I wouldn't be surprised to see it in that same, same kind of... Uh, that same kind of setup and that same kind of scenario again this year. So, uh, yeah, the price and with some improving form, happy to take on Jamie Donaldson as well. And that was 110 to 1 that I got on Jamie yesterday afternoon. So I'll just recap those. Um, Donaldson, um, 110 to 1. Andy Sullivan, 40 to 1. Martin Keimer, 35 to 1. And uh, Tommy Fleetwood, top of the shop at 14 to 1 for me this week. Now, I know you were up uh, burning the midnight oil working on your preview last night, so I guess you've not had a great deal of chance to, to look at Abu Dhabi. Well, I've been using my time very wisely as you've been uh, t- talking people through their tips. <laughs> you actually mentioned one that I'm going to back. Go on. Not one of yours. Right. Uh, Christian Bizadenhoop. Yep. He played five consecutive weeks on the trot at the end of last year through the Masters, Joburg Open, Alfred Dunhill Championship, South African Open, and the DP World Tour Championship. Mm. He was ninth for ball striking and eighth for greens in regulation on it, on uh, at the Masters, which I take it was his Masters debut. Yeah, I believe so. He was then fourth and seventh for ball striking and second and first for greens in regulation at the Alfred Dunhill and the South African Open, which he, of course, won. And I would have thought he was as frazzled as a frazzled thing when he was on the private jet going to Dubai, and he finished 14th. Uh, still driving the ball very nicely. Um, I just think who he's never won a Rolex Series event. I think that's a big goal for someone of Bezadenhout's quality. Second at Dubai Desert Classic last year, and he's also had a second at the Qatar Masters over his career. I just thought 33 to 1 is a good price for Bezaden, who, who I would assume will be disappearing quite soon to the to America to uh, embellish his PGA Tour career. Yeah, he's come on leaps and bounds, isn't he? And, and yeah. it, you know, it, we've, we've seen him um, play particularly well on some of the tougher tracks um, in the, on the circuit, and that's mainly because of his short game and his putting in particular. But as you said, those stats at the back end of the mm. year were a real eye-opener because he was absolutely, from tee to green, Crushing it. Yeah, very, very strong. Um, so, could, you know, uh, ball strikers, golf course, you say, greens in regulation, king, you know, absolutely everything. 
Yeah, when you're seeing Bizadenhut, eighth, second and first out of five, five last appearances for Greens in Reg, that's tempting me at 33 to 1, yeah. the sort that could pop up, and he's got course experience. The other one, who's um, I've, I've always just had him down as a very talented Greens in Regulation monster, is Andre Arnous. Yeah. And I'm seeing as big as 80 to 1 with Unibet. Uh, 60 to 1 if you fancy, um, you know, eight places with some of the eight places bookmakers. I just think Arnous, this kind of golf course, would be pretty perfect for him. And he was showing some really strong signs at the uh, in the uh, end of last year, wasn't he, Arnous? Mm-hmm. I think he was top 10 at the uh, Earth course at uh, the DP World Tour Championship. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a miscut 6th, miscut 10th. You're getting that inconsistency. But you know, last five appearances, uh, five appearances. There's a fifth, there's a sixth, and a tenth in there. Um, and I just, you know, a course like this, twenty second year on debut two years ago. I think Arnous seems to be finding himself. Mm-hmm. So I think as an each way punt, uh, anything up to eighty to one uh, on Arnous is tempting. Yeah, very I, tempting. Yeah, no, I, I, I was very, very close on Bazwagno. I must say. Um, yeah, I. I, I he was really popular last year, Arnous. Don't quote me on it, but I've got a feeling he's moved out to um, to Dubai um, and he's based out of there as well now. So um, he'll be getting increasing um, experience in the region if that's the case. And it's just popped into the back of my mind. So uh, <laughs> um, I, I, just, I hope that's correct. But yeah, I, I couldn't put you off either of them, I must say. It's, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty to make a case for this week. Barry has just messaged to say that he has gone first round leader Rory McIlroy. 18 to 1 with bet 365. His swing is looking mint, is Barry's <laughs> summary. He's tempted to also go outright on him, which completely goes against the trend that you were saying. But anyway, yes, 18 yeah. to 1 more McElroy, and I expect McElroy has got plenty of fast starts here. Yeah. The only thing I'll say with the first round leader is that I'm not going to touch it until I've seen the tee times because the early forecast I saw was that Thursday morning is likely to be far calmer than Thursday afternoon. So there may, may well be, mm-hmm. if that if that bears out, there may well yep. be a, a draw bias. So, um, okay. so yes, I will keep my powder dry. But as we said at the top of the show, if you do fancy a first round leader punt, then... Um, Check out the uh, check out my Twitter tomorrow yeah. morning, and uh, you'll see what I've decided. Keep close to Paul on Twitter uh, Wednesday morning. Um, he's at Golf Betting. Right, Abu Dhabi in the uh, in the rearview mirror. Let's move on to the American Express, mm. the third PGA Tour event. This is usually a pro am. I know it as the Bob Hope Lottery. Um, from Bob Hope Classic days. If you wanted a, you know, the ultimate birdie festival that the PGA Tour love week in, week out, this is it. Patrick Reed won here, won this tournament, not on this particular course, but won this in 2014 with a 44% birdie or better conversion percentage. That's madness, isn't it? Last year, Andrew Landry won at 43% birdie or better. You imagine going out and playing a, a golf course where you're birding virtually every other hole. 
<laughs> it's madness. Thirty-one <laughs> birdies he got last year. Yeah. I put in the in the in the preview. Astonishing. That's all you need to say, really. It used to be a pro-am, but in these COVID days, they've decided against that, which makes a level of sense. It used to be, oh, in the old days, it used to be five rounds, didn't it? They started it on a Wednesday. Yeah, it they did. 90 yeah. holes. Um, they cut that back to 72 over three courses. They're now playing this year across two courses, both on the PGA West property. So... You've got the TPC Stadium course, which is the host course, the Pete Tye design. And they'll also play one of their Thursday or Friday rounds at the Nicholas Tournament course. Um, when I tell you that the tournament course was 40th out of 41 for difficulty last year on the PGA Tour, and that the TPC Stadium course is the more difficult of the two, it was in the fifth easiest of 41 golf courses on the tour last year. You know where we're at. Par 72s, wide fairways, just beautiful, pure Tiff Dwarf Bermuda grass greens that are overseeded with Poa Trivialis. It's just a birdie and eagle fest, effectively. I'd like to sit here and tell you what the magic ingredient is, but I'd be lying because there is no magic ingredient, effectively. <laughs> it's just an absolute... <laughs> you... How can you make sense of a tournament where the last three winners have been uh, two hundred to one, six uh, four hundred to one, or was it six hundred to 600, one? And yeah. six hundred to one, Adam Long, and then the year before that, the ten to one favourite, John Rahm won. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is fairly random, but you, you do often get um, real surprises and shocks in these very low scoring events yeah. don't you you get streaky players who just go on a mad birdie run and uh, get himself into a position to win and somehow miraculously hold on against some of the better players Landry won at 26 under I think his form coming in was miscut 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 yep pick that out Adam Long won at 26 under the year before, he'd missed four straight cuts on the PGA Tour. Make of it what you will. John Rahm had finished second at Kapalua. He was an elite player. I think he'd won the DP World Tour Championship. Gone to Kapalua, finished second. The thing with Rahm was, he's a local lad, lives in Arizona, Scottsdale. Used to desert golf. Clearly grew up at Arizona in Arizona for his university as well. He knew the course courses, apparently. And he'd only ever won once on the PGA Tour at that point in the in America. Mm -hmm. So actually picking this up and, and running with it when he was in such great form, 10 to 1, looking back, looks a great prize. Um, this year, clearly, I don't know if he had problems with his little toe or <laughs> something had gone wrong. He, he clearly couldn't get himself out of bed for this one, but... I can guarantee you he'll be playing the Farmers Insurance insur uh, Farmers Insurance next week at uh, Torrey Pines, mm. uh, which will be a great warm-up for the US Open that they're playing there. The only thing I've ever found with this, and that's brought me a level of success, because I think actually getting an each-way place at this Bob Hope lottery is one of the biggest achievements you'll ever get in golf betting. <laughs> it's just absolutely all over the place. And I managed last year to get two... I scored with Scotty Scheffler at 35 to 1, who finished third. And Tom Hoagie, 
snuck into the top eight at 200 to yeah. one yeah. for a yeah. full each way payout. And that to me was like winning the Masters. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And the way I scored with those guys was, was looking at players' birdie or better performances in preceding tournaments. So we're looking for guys in I'm I'm looking for guys that have been, you know, getting plenty of eagles, plenty of birdies in in outings prior to this. And I think with Sheffield, he'd he managed like a 61, nine under par at um, Greenbrier, and there was a there was a lot of it's like you said about Peter Malnati in a way. Looking for those players that have been flashing great rounds, low scores, and potentially not. Not putting it all together, if you see what I mean. But that's, that's, these low-scoring tests are absolutely about that, aren't they? You, you need a player who is comfortable going out and shooting a 63, 62, 61 maybe. I remember the year that Jason Duffner won. And Duffner's not one of those players that you'd expect to be absolutely pounding birdies for fun. But the year that he'd won, he had topped birdie average or, or, or total birdies birdie or the previous better, week. Yeah. The previous week at, uh, at, at the, Sony. the Sony Open, you got yeah. It. yeah. So you know the signs were there. Even though you'd look at uh, Duffner and you think, well, really, does does this suit him in terms of going out there and shooting twenty eight birdies, whatever you're going to need to do? And you know, you you need your conclusion to be no until you look at the previous week and say, well, oh, hold on, he's he's finding the back of the cup, and um, you know, and, and that was it. He, he went and won the following week. Now, last week I said to you, putters hitting greens, putters hitting greens. Yeah, it's the it's the way to get the victory at the Sony. And you think, well, this is just a birdie. Fa-. You got you got to have strong putters again. Well, listen to this: one hundred eightieth, one hundred nineteenth, ninety sixth, two hundred eighteenth, and two hundred twenty fourth. Those were the strokes gained putting metrics of the last five winners of this as they arrived. At the tournament, mm. it's not putters. And in Jason Duffner, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, you know he's not a natural born putter, is he? But at that point, he was hit. He was making enough putts, and his tee to green game was must have been you know must have been beautiful. Just yeah, yeah. just setting up this all of these conversion chances, and that's it, isn't it? It's it's effectively wedge play. Getting the wedges from 125 yards and in so accurate that you've got monotonous opportunities to make eagle and birdie. Yeah. Well, not eagle as such because you'd be coming in with a longer club, but certainly birdies. Yeah, yeah, and, and having that, you know, if, if if you've got the confidence of some pre- previous weeks or recent weeks where you know the, the ball has been dropping more regularly than normal, then um, it can it can all all tie in for that particular week. Um, Landry was two hundred to one. Long t- six hundred to one. Ram was a ten to one favourite. Swafford sixty six to one, and Jason Duffner forty to one. I worked it out that the average winning price over the last seven renewals was something mad, like a hundred and fifty four to one. Hundred and forty-four to one. If you go back to twenty ten, when they were playing different course rover, Bill Ass won a hundred to one his first for PGA Tour title. So first time winners can get the job done there. I remember Johnny Vegas winning on the old course rover as well at two hundred to one. And that's the other thing: there isn't even really a typical 
kind of shape to a player. I mean, John Rahm's won this. Johnny Vegas has won this on a different course road, I take that, but he's a bomber. We've had Andrew Loopy go very close to winning this a few years ago on this course, Roto. And I mean, he's the, he's the most out of control bummer you'll ever find when he used to play. He was just, he was just driver on everything. And he, he, he got very close to winning at 300 to 1. It's just one of those. It really is. All I will say is I am not seeing, and I'm scanning through the odds here of the previous five renewals, I'm not seeing many... 20, 16 to 1, 22 to 1 places, e even actually making the each way frame. No. The shortest price, apart from John Rahm, who must have been by far the overwhelming favourite when he won this three years ago, I saw Adam Hadwin finish second here at 28 to 1 in 2019. But listen, you know, he got last year, Answer was second at 40 to 1. Scheffler was third at 35 to 1, and those were the short prices. So actually, I've completely ignored the top of the market this week. Just totally ignored it. If you want to back Patrick Cantley at 14 to 1 to win this, you go for your guns, mate. Reed at 16s, we keep saying with Reed, he doesn't win golf tournaments. And, and clearly, you know, these prices were slightly inflated before Rahm's withdrawal. Mm, I know yeah. people were jumping on Scotty Scheffler like it was going out of fashion at 22 to 1. He's now a 16 to 1 chance. But again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overly keen on Scheffler. I mean, he, he fits the bill. Kepka in a non major at the American Express. Do you? Do you think he's really going to come here 100% switched on and motivated? Mm, I doubt it. T4 Tony at 20 to 1. I plumped, the first one I plumped for was Russell Henry, Henley at 33 to 1. And Henley has been playing some magnificent golf of late. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Henley. Um, and the, the, the one thing that Henley has been doing. He's been he's been converting plenty of birdies and eagles in preceding tournaments. The trouble with Russell is it's always the, he when he first came on the PJ Tour he was prestigious putter, yeah. But he's focused so much on ball striking off the tee, brilliant approach play. He's moulded himself into the one of the best strokes game players on the whole PJ Tour, and it's the putting that suffers. But there have been flashes recently. And last week, he was again in the top 24. He was tied 21st for birdies or better at the Sony Open. He was one eagle, 19 birdies. He was right in the mix, wasn't he? And just fell back slightly with the yeah, cold yeah. putter on Sunday. He's the sort, Henley. Absolutely the sort. He flashed a 64 and a 65 across Friday and, uh, Friday and Saturday at the Sony Open. That was his best Sony Open performance since he won there in 2013, 11th. Yeah, and clearly he's, he's, that win also suggests that he can get himself up for performances early in the season as well, um, after after the Christmas break. So, um, yeah, can he's, see fifth, he's 52nd in the world. He's so, so Big close. Motivation. A win this week would, re would get him into that world's top 50, would open the door for the WGC Mexico and the Masters invite. Very, very close. And I doubt if he feels as stressed up about it as he was when we were counting him down at the end of last year. You know, if if he can get some places. Um, he won't play next week at Torrey Pines. He'd probably play Pebble Beach. But 
Poa isn't his thing. I think he'll see this week as a huge opportunity. And his Tiff Dwarf form, both across YLI and the RSM Classic at Sea Island, he's just got very, very strong results on Tiff Dwarf. Next up, I've gone Cameron Champ, who again, I think under the radar, Champ is playing some fantastic stuff. He's playing some really good stuff. 37th for total birdies last year, 32nd for birdie average in, uh, across last season, I mean. Uh, two eagles and 23 birdies at the less than driver Sherwood Country Club um, when he finished seventh, uh, eighth at the Zozo Championship. He ranked T8 for birdie or better conversion that week. And that isn't a driving golf course. We saw that at Sherwood. It was a very short... Uh, they play a par 72 that week. I think it was 72 they played. Yeah. Um, he then ranked fifth for birdie or better conversion at Augusta National mm. on his Masters debut where he finished 19th. You think, wow. Yeah, impressive. And again, he, he reminds me slightly of Kevin Nart. Oh, he, was, you know, he didn't play very well at Kapalua, line through. But actually, he can't be playing that badly. I, Kapalua is not going to ever, I don't think, Cameron Champ's weakness is his short game and his putting. And there is so much undulation around that golf course and in terms of the, the putting surfaces, contours, you know, reading putts against the grain and against, you know, does, does it break towards the sea, all that kind of stuff. That is not Cameron Champ. Give him relatively flat greens and a low scoring total. I think he can fly around here. I really do think he can go well. And as we know, California boy... He's already won in California at the Safeway Open. And last year, he also had a couple of top 10s, um, high-profile top 10s. One at the PGA Championship, they played in San Francisco. And also that Zozo Championship, they played at Sherwood Country Club. So when he goes back to his home state, he really likes playing well there. 21st here last year. And across his two final rounds, which were played on La Quinta, and I know they're not playing that this year, but he also played the stadium course on Sunday. He shot, I think it was, uh, he shot 11 under par. Oh, 68-67, bogey-free weekend, which was telling me he was starting to get his head exactly around what he needed to do, which was not blast as far as you can off the tee. Position your ball and keep it simple. And that's the way that you get former, uh, you, you actually compete around here. Yeah. Minimising mistakes. 2018 RSM Classic played on Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens. He was sixth. And he's also got a Bermuda Grass PGA Tour win. His first one, which was at the Country Club of Jackson back in 2018. Yeah. So I think Champ at 40 to 1 is a decent punt as well. Mm -hmm. Those are the two real shorties I've gone. Well, shorties. 33 to 1 and 40 to 1. You know, you've got Cantley in there at 14. So I wouldn't exactly call them short. Another one who's hot fire at the moment is Pat and Kazire. Hot fire, Pat and Kazire. Do I really need to go into it? You just look at the leaderboard recently. He's just shooting birdies and better for fun. He won on Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens, the Sony Open. He's also um, a Sea Island guy. He practices at the Sea Island Performance Centre. He plays lots and lots of golf around uh, both the plantation course and the, and the um, seaside course on... Uh, sea Island, which, as we know, are Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens. You see with Kazaya that 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 
when he won the Sony Open and then um, previous to that in the Mayakoba, he's one of these guys, hot form. When he's hitting greens, we know he's a phenomenal putter. When he's hitting greens and his strokes gain tee to green game is on point, Kazaya is hard to ignore. Yes. 60 to 1, I thought was a decent price with Betfair Sportsbook. I believe, I believe that they actually priced him up, Betfair and Paddy Power, at 110 to 1. <laughs> and literally within it's two hammered. minutes, that had become 60 to 1. Yeah, it's absolutely hammered. 110 to 1 on Pat and Kazaya was never the price and was no, never no. going to survive. Not the way that he's been playing. And as you say, he's one of these players who's either um, very cold or very hot, isn't there? There's not yeah. a great deal in the middle, is there? Uh, I remember when he won that Mayakoba, I think he was 10th yeah. at the Sanderson Farms. He was then third at the Shriners Open and then he won the Mayakoba. That's the kind of guy you're dealing with. Yeah. And then he'll disappear for six months. Yeah. And there's also this thing, isn't it? Because English won a couple of year, a couple of weeks ago. That Sea Island Mafia and all the guys that went to Georgia, I think they're on a real high at the moment. And I think Keziah would love to add to get his third PGA Tour victory. Another one, sixty-six to one. I got a point each way with Unibet. Sam Burns. I mean, if you want a guy that's been playing outstanding golf, Sam Burns this year has been this season has been fantastic, hasn't he? Thirteenth at the Wyndham Championship prior to the season ending. Then 7th at the Safeway Open, we were on board. I think he was the 54-hole leader there, or 36-hole. 7th in Houston, 54-hole leader, which was his last outing. At this golf course, I believe he's finished 13th and 6th in his two visits. Uh, 18th and 6th, sorry. 18th in 2019 and 6th in 2020. I think Burns, he's another one of these guys, oh, recency bias, uh, he hasn't played for a while. I'll just forget about Sam Burns. He's the kind of guy that would just pop up and win his first PGA Tour title because you basically put a line for him because he hasn't played since November. Yeah, I'm not sure. This isn't that kind of event where you can do that kind of thing. The other one, 125 to 1, Betfair Sportsbook, point each way, Michael Thompson, who I think is playing under the surface some really, really nice golf. Um T15, T14 and T21 in his last three outings for birdie or better conversion across Memorial Park, Kapalua and Wyalai. And he was ninth here two years ago. He was fifth after 54 holes. And don't forget, Thompson won the 3M Open middle of last year at 19 under. So he can go low. I think Thompson's playing some really nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was on him at Kapalua, and um, he. Yeah, you were. Yeah. He, he had played. Uh, he, he, he played well. I mean, that that much. He's was putting beautifully. Evident. And yeah. his, his whole his whole game is reasonable. It's reasonable right now. So yeah, one hundred twenty five to one Thompson, sixty six to one Burns, sixty to one Kaziah, Champ at forties, Henley at thirty threes. Now I know you've got a whole Houston triple prices. I know that we're quite running low on time so run through yours Bob yeah I just kind of the hedgehog at the dartboard kind of approach I, yep. I I like this kind of event because I you can just throw kind of five six seven um long shots at the uh at, at the event and just and uh, no one can say you're an idiot for putting them up because <laughs> anyone can win this well yeah potentially Crack so, on, uh, mate. yeah I've, I've, I've done seven so uh take take these with a pinch of salt seven. but uh, um, 
The shortest price is Charlie Hoffman, who was 125 yeah. to 1 yesterday. I think he's down at 90 or 80 now that, um, now that, now that Rahm's out. And so he was being backed anyway. But there's something percolate with Charlie. Top greens in regulation last week at 88.9%, which mm. I, I did have a look through. I think that's the best number he's had in that respect since 2008. Mm. Um, but something's been going on with his game because um, that's the third top 10 greens in regulation performance in his last four starts. So... Um, hitting greens can putt can be a devastating and um, can be a very streaky uh, score a birdie maker when he's playing well so mm. um, so yeah like a bit of Charlie he has got in this event um, 10th 9th and 2nd um, which um, as you pointed out earlier has uh, going back historically yeah. was at different tracks but um, but yeah but also a win- winner in the desert in Phoenix as well yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's, he's a desert rat isn't he as we classify him yeah he loves it he does like a resort style test as well if you look at the um, resort Living stats in the uh, yeah resort stats in the predictor this week, then oh, you'll right. find um, that he's yeah. right up there, isn't he? Um, yeah. Another one who likes resort style tracks is Pat Perez, um, two hundred to one um, yesterday. He won this at um, thirty three under over five rounds back in two thousand nine, and um, his other two wins came at twenty one and twenty four under. And he loves a bit of Californian golf as well. Second at Pebble, second mm. at Torrey Pines in the past as well, and. Uh, uh, yeah, lots of like with Pat Perez. Um, yeah. Another five, very quickly, I'll rattle through. <laughs> You've been putting <laughs> your 50p each way on all of these, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, it's uh, the... Uh, That's if you're scat- allowed to. Scat- <laughs> scat- <laughs> scat- <laughs> scatter gun approach. Um, Harry yeah. Hall, I've backed, the young Englishman, oh, yeah. 250 to one. Do you know what um, I really fancy for this? Harry Higgs, and he doesn't play it. No, no, no. I did look for Higgs, actually, because I know you'd mm. mentioned it. Harry yeah, Hall, tell me about Hall. Harry Hall. Yeah, long, young Englishman, 20... I think he's only played um, 11 um, professional events, something like that, 11 or 13, not many. Uh, schooled over in Vegas, he's played a couple of European Tour events, finished 15th and 12th, then came over to have a go at the Corn Ferry. Uh, he was second at the Lincoln Land Championship, where he shot a second round 62, eighth at the Savannah Golf Championship, and on his last start, sixth at the Orange County National Championship, where he opened with a 63. So shooting some lovely low scores. I think this guy's got a lot of potential. Um, and uh, clearly, if you look at the um, history stats and if you look at his current form, it's all blank because he hasn't played in anything recently. But uh, 250 to 1, I've okay. taken a punt on Want him. To keep an eye on Harry Hall. Yeah, potentially. Um the other ones, I'll, I'll, rattle, I'll just rattle through the names. Born Taylor, I've backed 175 to 1. I'm um, showing yep. a bit over the last few weeks. Top 10 in the predictor model this week, 6th. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. To one, yeah. yeah, statistically, he fits quite nicely for mm. Taylor. Um, Jim Herman, I've backed at 250. The Hermanator. Um, he can get, it, like like Kevin Nye, he can get over the line, Jim Herman, can't he? Oh, so, he can't putt, so, he, so he, he's the profile of the winners here perfectly. <laughs> this is it, the point, it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Did, it did show a bit of form um, last week as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the rounds was nice and low. Um, Andrew I Landry said, up I back. said to you off mic, I wouldn't be surprised if Herman wins the uh, the week that uh, Trump's presidency ends. That's the kind of uh, thing that would that's happen. The, that's this week, Steve, isn't it? Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, Herman 250. Andrew Landry, I've backed. Um, he well, did finish fourth at the back end of last year, and he's got the yeah. first and the second oh, year. So, so I thought 160 to 1 was a, um, a bit of a... Um, uh, Disrespectful, really. So I've taken that. Nick Taylor is the final one I've backed, 150 mm. to one. Who uh, again has got some California form. One at Pebble Beach, 
Um, and been in a, a decent position over the last, uh, or when he's been here in the past, top 20 here. And uh, yeah, I think he's... Um, 62, uh, didn't he, on uh, Friday to get to the lead at 1200 yeah, yeah. of the yeah, Sony yeah. Open yeah, last yeah. week, he, Nick he, Taylor. He was, um, he was third after day one at uh, Kapalua. He was leading after the halfway point at the Sony Open. So over the last two weeks has shown a little bit of form mm. as well. And uh, Again, 150 to 1. So, uh, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll go through them just names quickly. Nick Taylor, Andrew Landry, Jim Herman, Vaughan Taylor, Pat Perez, Harry Hall, Charlie Hoffman. 50p each way, as you say. K.H. Lee finished like a train at the Sony Open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could yeah. put all of these guys. Uh, up. I, I, Steve, yeah. I, I, I was. It was for me. It was a toss up between Taylor and Thompson. So definitely back Nick Taylor. It's mm. <laughs> all I can say, really. Um, yeah, he, he he's playing some nice stuff last week, Taylor. He did, yeah, yeah. Last two weeks, there's been some good flashes of form, and uh, mm. again, another one who can win. So uh, yeah, hundred and fifty to one, I thought was worth a worth a check on. That's us. We're done. Mm. Um, as I say at the top of the show, a five-star review. If you could take the time to just write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts um, and leave your name in the uh, in the review, and clearly we'll read it out at the start of future shows, it'd be much appreciated just to keep the growing momentum going. Paul, thank you for your time. Yes, um, no problem. Best of luck this week. You're in Dubai next week, yeah? We are, yeah, yeah, off to the Emirates next week, next week. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And then Torrey Pines for me next week, mm. which is uh, many consider to be the real start of the PGA Tour. Thanks for your time and uh, thanks for your ongoing support, listeners. We'll be back again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>